0: and we welcome you back to moving forward with young voices hey we're pleased to welcome kenneth shrub back to the show kenneth is a communicator and a young voices contributor in fact kenneth i'm going to ask you please fill in some of the gaps as to who you are and what you do and then let's dive into a very relevant topic
1: Sure. My name is Kenneth Shrupp and I'm a contributor here at Young Voices. I love to write on fiscal policy, education policy, immigration, culture, you name it. I think we need to take a new uh, uh, Roosevelt-centered approach to
0: politics, and it's uh, my vision to lay out how we're going to get there. Okay, so we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, about education in this instance, and I'm looking at your article on Chalkboard Review, Means-Tested Education Savings Accounts Best Promote School Choice. I don't know that I could effectively define what a means-tested education savings account is. Could you explain to us what that is?
1: Sure. I uh, know yeah, that terminology here is a little complicated. So... Um, Right now, there are leading proposals from Republicans across the country at a state and local level to implement what are called uh, education savings accounts, where the state gives you a certain amount of money, uh, you know, five, ten thousand dollars, and gets deposited into a deb- debit account every year. You can spend it on qualified expenses, and whatever you don't spend rolls over up until you hit a limit. Usually, up until you hit a limit, something like. $50,000, $60,000, 100000 And you can spend that on your child's tuition. Um, so a, universal accounts are typically those that are most advocated for. Means tested would mean that families that make in excess of $400,000 a year or whatever one would define the cap to be wouldn't receive uh, these, these cash accounts if their children do not attend public school.
0: So, you know, this is becoming, uh, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong in this, but it seems like since the pandemic and parents have had to experiment with different ways of educating their kids, sometimes within the public school system, you know, via uh, digital classrooms, others have looked outside of the, you know, public school setting. It seems like there is a wave of um, educational innovation that, that's taking place. Am I wrong in sensing that? Can you can you give us an idea of uh, what are the trends right now that that are taking place either in response to or uh, just, you know, because of the, the pandemic?
1: So as schools remain public schools remain shut down across the country, especially my home state of California. Parents have been deciding to pull the kids out of public schools, uh, where finally, thanks to Zoom classes, they've actually been listening to and seeing what their kids are being taught. They're not happy. Uh, so they've been, you, you've seen enrollment in private schools grow at a huge level. Parents are even hiring teachers to create pods. You know, if you have if you have 10, ki- ten kids uh, and all your parents chip in a few thousand dollars, you can actually hire a private teacher for your group of 10 students. And some of these kids are doing very, very well. Um, now, today, uh, there's a huge upswing in, in Republican coverage of education as a result of uh, CR- CRT, as a result of continued school closures, where we're trying to give students or Republican Party officials are trying to give students and families better options and more options. However, I'm afraid that these universal accounts would have a devastating effect on the cost of tuition and change the private school market in a very negative way, just like how universal student loans that no longer had any means testing requirements were actually what drove inflation and college tuition to go well past the overall rate of inflation for the economy
0: interesting as well as saddling those students with uh, you know mountains of inescapable debt
1: so right i mean it's it's basic economics when you when you create unlimited demand for a product through state subsidies uh the recipients of the subsidy which are the schools not not the not the families uh have have no reason to keep prices down no reason to save money and you just they, they, you will end up seeing tuition go up and up every year. Whenever these universal savings accounts have been introduced, tuition has skyrocketed, and enrollment hasn't really changed. Because if you already have p- p- families who can afford to pay $12,000 a year for tuition, if those families get an extra $10,000 a year, you as a school would be stupid not to raise your tuition by 12, 10000
0: $12,000 a year. Right. They'd be seeing it as leaving money on the table. Exactly. It's just leaving money on the table. Okay, so there, I love that you're you're taking a look at this from the standpoint of, of what I would say is a, a good economist would. You're looking at what the intended benefit is going to be, but you're also examining what the unseen and uh, perhaps unanticipated uh, responses and, and benefits or results might be. And so it's a mixed bag. What's what's the best way to to strike that balance? between uh, giving parents more educational choice without encouraging, you know, private schools or other institutions to simply hike their their tuition to the sky?
1: I... I I think means tested is exactly the way to do that. If you look at school performance, it's usually the lowest income students who are in the lowest performing schools. You give those students the most choice and freedom and opportunity, and they're more likely to see huge improvement in their educational outcomes. If you're an upper middle class suburban family making, uh, you know, in the the top quintile, I'm not exactly sure why uh, extending these subsidies to those individuals would be good for the market and vast. Vast, drastically, drastically change uh, what their child's opportunities are going to be.
0: So I, I always ask this question whenever there's a political decision to be made, and that's cui bono. I want to know who's going to benefit the most from this. Those who are supporting, uh, for instance, the universal education savings accounts, um, what, who benefits the most from, from the way that that's approached?
1: Well, Brian, those who benefit most are typically those who are promoting it most. I think it's upper middle class individuals who uh, uh, for for whom t- sending their kids to a top private school is a little bit out of reach who who would like to have this money to to send their kids to a better school but who have plenty of good options for their kids available already
0: okay and I, I'm just curious whether um you mentioned that you know. Groups like EdChoice or Fix California, they've put their weight behind some of these initiatives. Are, are there, uh, is there pushback from, from the public education establishment to, to try to you know, retain some control of, of that educational choice?
1: so of course the problem is that anyone advocating for greater choice uh for parents is going to face pushback from from the teachers unions from the public sector uh but strangely enough there's been no pushback from people who are saying wait this is actually a bad idea to give them out to every single person this this is going to have terrible effects on the cost of tuition um i i do believe To a certain extent that that people think that they can mobilize voters, the Republican cause, essentially buy votes from these upper middle from the upper middle class suburbanites who who are the swing voters in our country, middle and upper middle class uh, suburban voters um, by giving them these universal subsidies. But I don't think this is a good idea.
0: Does this invite people to start new private school systems or new private schools?
1: I think that if the money if there is money in the market, we potentially would see more private schools i, I do con- I do concede that um, the que- the question is what's the quality of these schools going to be, and what is the effect on tuition for the rest of the market
0: okay i mean it's it 's like you say you know or i 'm trying to remember who it was that, that mentioned if you you want to see something increase, subsidize it if you want to see it decrease, tax it you know' it's, i think there's there's some truth to that. But uh, it appears we're long overdue for some change in education. And uh, I love your call to to make sure that we're doing it right and not setting in motion unintended consequences that come back to bite us later. Um, tell right. me this. And I t- oh, go, sorry, ahead. go ahead. No, please. Continue. Well,
1: uh, I was going to say that one way, another way to make sure to, to be more equitable and to make sure that tuition increases wouldn't be the result is to give upper income families a tax credit for not sending their children to public, to public school. That's not restricted to education. You know that they, their their families might be better off with the spending that money however they wish. You're not going to have the same forced education spending effect if they're allowed to spend it on, say, a, um, home improvements or invest maybe investing in uh, the stock market for the children's future.
0: Okay, we are talking with Kenneth Shrub. He is a Young Voices contributor. Kenneth, tell people where they can find your work, where they can connect with you on social media.
1: You can connect with me on social media with my name, Kenneth Shrupp, K E N N E T H S C H R U P P, on Twitter. And you can also look at my work at the California Review at calrev.org. All right. Thank you very much, Kenneth.
0: We'll talk again soon. Thank you,
1: Thank you very much, Brian. Have a good day.